to Futurama Podcast. I'm 40% Podcast. Um, Jinx Monsoon is the host. Uh, this is episode two of season two, uh, Mars University. Um, uh, mom, mom, how was that? Listen, Nick, you're fired from producing. You're fired from directing. You're fired from hosting. All Wait. I want from you for, from now on is to just watch the episodes and talk about them. Do you think you can handle that? I just got a lot of joy out of being the producer. It would kind of give really? me purpose. Because you hit it very well. Now, um, I'm Jinx Monsoon. That's Nick Sahoya. Today, we are reviewing. <laughs> our listeners are going to think our relationship is so toxic. And it is. But it's also really cute. Now, um, <laughs> we're reviewing episode two of season two of Futurama today on I'm 40% Podcast. And our very special guest is none other than James Adomian. Did I say that correctly? Adomian? Yes, you did. Is it Jinx Monsoon? I've got it right. It's mon- It's actually Munson. Americans <laughs> Munson. always butcher the pronunciation, but I'm going to let it pass. <laughs> and now, it's Nick Sahoya, of course. Yes, you got that one right. We're all on the same page. <laughs> Make sure you pronounce that final H because he gets really <laughs> bent out of shape about that final H. <laughs> now, James, is this your first time watching Futurama, or are you a Futurama no, fan? No, I didn't know that you had. I assumed it was only like super fans. I am. I would. I would say <laughs> I was a a one time Futurama super fan, and then it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like. <laughs> You read the Bible when you're in like church and in like junior high school, and then you read it once and you're like, okay, I forgot most of it. (laughs) I mean, to me, the Futurama was like the Bible. And then I've kind of like, it's been more than 10 years since I watched it, like sitting down, paying attention. And so I remember my favorite parts now. And revisiting it, did you feel like, oh my gosh, so much of it it is just ingrained in me? Yeah, I loved it. And I think this is an episode that I had not watched a lot. I had not like gone back to watch it ever. And uh, Mars University. And um, I have it on my, I watched it on my um, DVDs from 2003, um, which I have. It's a relic. A a relic from a bygone era. I like, we've only watched them like once or something. So they're in very good condition. but uh, yeah, I love popping them in the old Xbox, and um, <laughs> yeah, I loved going back to it because it's it is like this window in time. Is this episode from nineteen ninety nine or two thousand? This would have been maybe two thousand two thousand one somewhere in yeah. there. And because uh, I don't know how many episodes were in the seasons, but uh, it was fascinating to see like it holds up. It's also slightly dated. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's got all of that, and it's got like it's got like, it, but it's still like adorably dated, you know. And then it's got like, it's I, very I would say funny. That, it's very funny for a show set in the future yes. for it to have so many 
parts that are dated. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it's like, this is very much like, uh, this is like an animal house. You can almost see him being like, animal house parody. we got to write an animal house episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that speaks uh, a lot to the, the writers because I've never seen animal house, but it is one of those things where it's like, I know all the references. Right. It's, it, so much, so much a culture we get like through, um, uh, approximate knowledge or you know, like through osmosis just living in America you're inundated with certain films and certain cultural moments where you don't actually have to see the source material but you know every joke and every what reference What do they call that in like the postmodern philosophy is it pastiche or simulacrum or in some or, or a third or a third form of buzzword I, I don't know I didn't go to Mars University I didn't <laughs> learn all the words. <laughs> but yeah I learned so much even from the Simpsons as a kid about uh, from about movies that I have still not seen or did not see for many years where it's like oh you oh, know absolutely. all the f- like I've I've never seen Dirty Harry but I've seen <laughs> like all the references to Dirty Harry I've seen the tropes and the big scene you see at the Oscars you know they'll sort of play the, the do you feel lucky bunk yeah I mean I would I probably would never see Dirty Harry <laughs> why bother There's- Big Cab includes Dirty Harry there, there's so much culture I got strictly from The Simpsons, right? And because I got it at a young age through The Simpsons, and now I've like rewatched some of it, and I'm like, oh, that's how I know the plot of Streetcar Named Desire. It's right, because of the episode right, right. where they do the musical performance, and so I've never seen a Streetcar Named Desire, which makes me sound like a bad theater student. But I also feel like I don't need to because I've seen it through Marge's eyes and I don't want to see it any other way. That one I recommend because I just, I mean, I, I went through like a probably a Turner Classic Movies phase when I was in college or something. And I remember that was one that I was worth get, like being drunk and watching Streetcar Named Desire was definitely worth it. The movie. And uh, you see the like same. the old... You, you see, like, the manually operated, like, crane shots and stuff, and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> movies used to be hard. I can say the same for All About Eve, and um, I, I remember watching it over the span of three days, and it was like a, a, a come home at the end of the day, pour a glass of red wine, and watch another third of All About Eve. Those, uh, those older movies, they really, it really just feels like... I don't know. I don't want to say that filmmaking today isn't an art form, but there's something about how much technology is used in, uh, you know, in art these days where it does kind of feel like art is becoming an algorithm. It's like now process it through the art algorithm <laughs> and the computer will take care of the art for us, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I think um, there's no way to stop that, and I'm like I'm somewhere in between, like embracing it and shunning it. I suppose I try to be like I try to be like, well, if I like this particular technology and it seems fun, I'll try it. Um, but but also try to be like, well, if you're doing something that's at a cutting edge medium or something, also kind of had try to have a voice in the back of your head and be like, would this be funny? Uh, would this be funny on a, a Greek comedy stage where you're wearing <laughs> yeah. masks or like, would this be funny in a hundred years ago? You know, yeah. If you're just purely an analog monkey with a hat. <laughs> There we go. Tie in back to the episode. Um, uh, James, you're a very accomplished 
uh, cartoon voice actor in your own right. You're on Harley Quinn currently. Yeah. Yeah. You play a couple voices on that. Yeah. Um, Are there any moments in your voice acting career where you felt like you got to be a part of something you were a fan of? Oh, God, you put me on the spot. I f- see, here's the problem. I forget what I've done. Um, <laughs> yes. James works a lot. <laughs> so I'm I'm literally pulling up my list of um, bio resumes. Pulling up so your I own Remind IMDb myself right what now. I've done. <laughs> right. So I, w- I got to do a, a voice on the new Looney Tunes reboot on HBO. Um, right. You know, You're all over HBO. I'm on three cartoons on HBO. I should be. Uh, I should. I should wake up and <laughs> say that as a quiet mantra. Um, <laughs> I'm on. I'm on Harley Quinn. Close enough in Looney Tunes. Uh, so you know, one of my favorite cartoons on Looney Tunes growing up was um, the uh, the one where Bugs Bunny accidentally gets caught up in a bank robbery, and the two bank robbers kidnap him. And there's the gangster with the tall the tall hat and his dumb <laughs> flunky. And uh, they kidnap Bugs Bunny at gunpoint, and it's it, you know it's a it's a it's a parody of George Raff, the uh, old gangster actor. So it's like um, shut up, rabbit. And I got to <laughs> I got to play that character in the reboot, and I had auditioned for it, and I was so glad that I got it, and it was just like. Uh, it was like a great honor, you know, because I was like, I love this fucking, I love this particular episode. I love this particular Bugs Bunny cartoon, and I love that character, and I got to play him, you know. Shut up, shutting up. You got it. You got it. No need to tell me. Shut up, rabbit. James, before we get into the uh, recap of the episode, uh, I remember one time you told me a story about meeting John DiMaggio at a house party. Do you remember this story? Yeah, it was <laughs> at a bar. Can you give me a, a, a it, little version of it? <laughs> yeah, it was at a bar, actually. You know, uh, M-Bar used to be a place. The building still exists. It's a, like Vine and it's near Vine and Melrose or something. And uh, Vine and Santa Monica, Fa- Vine and Fountain. There used to be a lot of shows there, and there I was I was uh, uh, either seeing a show or I had a small part in some show that was there, uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. And I had never met John DiMaggio before. I was a fan of the show. I knew the Bender voice backwards and forwards. You know, like Hey Fry, it's me, Bender. And um, <laughs> I'm just outside at this bar having a drink. The show's going on inside. I hear this bellowing voice from uh, like 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 coming out of the the door of the bar, and it's going. It's doing the Orson Welles video that I know very well because I've done a parody of it, and it's. It's John DiMaggio doing the Drunk Orson Welles thing where he's like, ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. And I'm like, holy fuck. I immediately was like, that's Bender. That's J- J- John DiMaggio. And he's doing Orson Welles. And I was like young and sheepish. And I was like, I'm a fan. And we started doing Orson Welles together, you know, and uh, back and forth. And everybody's like, nobody is as good as Maurice LaMarche. And um, uh, John DiMaggio, we'd all had a few drinks. He's a huge man. He's tall and big and barrel chested. And uh, <laughs> he's in the middle of a conversation, sees across the patio, across the parking lot, across the sidewalk, into the street on Vine Avenue. And he sees that there's a drunk driver visibly from like 
50 yards away, sees this guy driving too drunk, stops his conversation and goes, hey, you're too drunk. Pull over right now. And it sounded just like Bender. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of answered my follow-up question. Um, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Was there? (laughs) No, that's pretty much it. And then I was just like, I love this guy. And I just look forward to seeing him every time I get to see him. That's that's an amazing story, and you kind of answered my follow-up question. I was just kind of wondering, with, um, uh, with with you being a voice actor and hearing you drop into all of those voices, just like to tell your story, absolutely amazing. You do a, a wonderful bender. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Um, <laughs> And I Bite totally my shiny get, metal ass. <laughs> I totally get you um, being part of a Looney Tunes reboot because it seems like you study character voices to to recreate them. Um, I was gonna ask, but you already answered. When someone is an iconic voice actor like John DiMaggio, and of course, you know people my age know him best from Futurama and Adventure Time, but he does. Tons of things all over the, the the animated world. I was just wondering if it's like, do voice actors get at, like, do that voice, do that impression, um, in just their like day to day conversations with human uh, beings? Yeah, <laughs> I guess if you're known for something, and here's the the crazy part is like, there's different pools of people that, that know me <laughs> for different things, and I think that's true for a lot of people. So, there's, so some there's, of them are asking you to do the voice, and some of them are asking you to get into a harness and. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And they never seem to come to the same shows. You can be like, is this a wait, is this a is this a Futurama crowd or is this a dungeon crowd? <laughs> I just have to ask before we get into the meat of the, today's episode, um, have you met Tress McNeil? She is my my goddess and oh wow, no, that face. No, I haven't. <laughs> no damn. Um, anyway, someday, someday, I'll, I'll find a way to, I'll find a way to talk <laughs> well, to her. Well, you, you can meet Tristan Neal if you go to a bar on Vine Avenue and maybe she'll be drinking there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, try, uh, if you, if Ben Bar's done, try three, three of cups or, uh, <laughs> uh, uh the Floridita, El Floridita. Are, there, are these the, the hangout spots for voice actors in LA? <laughs> no, I'm going by geography. They have nothing to do with each other. But most, most voice, like all, like one third of all cartoons are made in Burbank. So I feel like, uh, I feel yeah. like Burbank might be a more like run into a cartoon person kind of place. My first time to Burbank was um, working with Cartoon Network for, um, it wasn't Steven Universe because I did Mighty Magiswords first, um, but all the way I knew about Burbank <laughs> was through the original Animaniacs because that's set in Burbank, right? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, On the blah, Warner Brothers blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Voice actors are nerds and weirdos. Um, That's true. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So, James, not your first time seeing Futurama, not your first time seeing this episode, so we're going to dive right in. Love um, it. Dive right in. Dive on in. Um, dive it great. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is Mars University. Um, we... You know, it's funny that the professor actually is an a- 
acting professor and we get yeah, the explanation it never, comes up. <laughs> it never comes up he's running this business he seems to always be there and the explanation is he teaches a class that no one takes so he never actually has to go to the university and do anything and but i love the he's got the great one-liner i can't teach i'm a professor i'm a professor <laughs> You did what? He, he, is this the, I don't remember all the episodes. Is this the only episode where he actually has to go be a academic professor or does it come back? No, later? because he's also, you know, um, um, uh, Amy is his, technically his lab assistant. Oh Sometime, yeah, but that, that is on he, Mars University, that episode. So yeah. I think that's where he's stationed as a actual professor so yeah. he has this like he has this like professorship at mars university with a very light course load yeah light course load <laughs> like a celebrity he professor um he yeah he has this tenure. is like when i worked at uh, jimmy john's one shift a week so i could get food stamps and <laughs> and amy did you redeem is... them at jimmy john's yeah, <laughs> I don't think they took EBT, but it was just a, it was I one of those cyclical employee systems. Um, <laughs> so Amy is a student at Mars University, but also never has to attend classes because she's doing her like she's doing. Her, we don't even get all of this in this episode, but it's all explained. Well, we're, jump, we're jumping ahead a little bit. I would like to talk about the fact that. <laughs> Amy's parents show up at one point and they imply that Amy only got into the school because they like bought something for the school. Um, A, that doesn't make sense because Amy is smart, but B, this is why the whole college admission scandal was so confusing to me because it was like just a plot point in pop culture all the time. <laughs> the movie Orange County, Mike White's first movie, is all about exactly what the college admission scandal was like cracking down on so it's not that i don't think those people should go to jail i'm just surprised that anyone ever faced any consequences for who, who were the big people that went down in that scandal i'm forgetting like uh, Lori laughlin and yes uh lynette from desperate housewives i would love it if they had brought up futurama as a defense your honor <laughs> um if the hyper chicken was their lawyer <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 the southern chicken lawyer? Now I'm just yeah. a simple southern hyper chicken. <laughs> um, so the episode is all about the professor taking his newest experiment to Mars University to present it for his um, uh, for his eligibility for the Nobel Prize. And they, they go, ask him, what category, <laughs> professor? It doesn't matter. They all pay the same. <laughs> um, we don't yet know what the experiment is, but it's some living thing in a crate. They get to Mars University. Um, Amy is supposedly a student there, even though this is the first time that's coming up. But we do hear, we do hear in like the first Amy episode, someone says, wow, you're rich. And she goes, we weren't that rich. Oh, yeah. What sorority did you belong to? Kappa Kappa Wong. So we know that her parents are deeply entrenched with Mars University. And later we learn that her parents own Mars. So I guess are <laughs> well, they, they own the, half of Mars? Are they the presidents of Mars University? <laughs> no, they're just landowners. 
know. <laughs> I forgot elected. that they own half of the planet Mars. <laughs> yeah, the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> um, early on, we get the explanation as to how people are um, living on Mars. Two really amazing lines are um, uh, them talking about how um, Mars has been uh, terraformed. And Leela says, they planted all the traditional university plants here. Ivy, hemp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Fry asks, so does that mean the air is safe to breathe here? And the professor says, of course. And Fry goes, (gasps) supposedly Fry Fry has been holding his breath the entire time that they've been walking around (laughs) getting a tour of the planet. I don't think he was holding his breath so much as he doesn't realize that he breathes. He's already been he didn't realize that he was breathing the whole time. It's such a <laughs> it's such a stupid it's such a stupid gag and it I love it. Oh fry. Uh, <laughs> oh was there um, some joke this- too about how they terraformed Mars like they terraformed Utah or or the brother but yeah, oh, they yeah. terraformed Mars just like they terraformed um, Utah, but eventually Mars actually became inhabitable. Inha- right, right, right. <laughs> which means Utah is uninhabitable in the future. Um, which you know, good. You guys ever been to Utah? Sorry to anyone listening in Utah. I sure, do a I lot have. of gigs in SLC. <laughs> yep, I've never been to Utah, but one time I was in Boise and I got on Grinder, and if you scroll down like a hundred guys, you're already in Salt Lake City. It's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> My first introduction to Utah was the movie SLC Punk with Matthew Lillard. It's a good movie. <laughs> Nick, that's the I have a stand-up bit about that right now about um being on Grinder in LA and trying to search for tops <laughs> and you scroll down once and you're in San Diego <laughs> and then you scroll down a second time and you're in Tierra del Fuego. <laughs> Someone on Grinder said uh, um I think the most succinct way of explaining Grinder in LA, and it's that you won't even get a reply unless you're over six feet and have over six abs. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the T in in LA for Grinder. Um, back on Mars University, we're introduced. Bender sees his robot fraternity. <laughs> yeah, um, that's where so the we've animal got, house. Stuff we've got begins. the A plot, which is um, the professor and his experiment, which is a monkey wearing a scientific hat that makes him smart. Fry's joining college just so he can drop out again. That's our A plot. Our B plot is the Animal House parody with Bender and the. Kappa Rho Rho Zeta Epsilon Rho Rho and the joke is that it it spells Er which is like (laughs) I don't know it's like a B minus Futurama joke. <laughs> so, so they I noticed in the writing that there was some pretty hard transitions between the A plot and the B plot, uh, and I was wondering if that was just kind of seasoned early on, or if that was like always that way, or if that's just kind of like a particularly choppy episode where there's just simply like a couple times where there's a hard cut where they're like we were over here and just now we're over here. It, there's a, a lot question. of hard cuts, and also I have no idea what the passage of time is in this episode. Yeah, how long were they at the university? Because <laughs> he was. It seemed like they were in finals. At it's one really hard to tell because when Bender goes to his um, fraternity, meets the other robots, they have that great bit with them doing the secret handshake, and they do this really complex only only available to robots handshake and then the the nerd robot says eh close enough (laughs) (laughs) right um bender finds out his fraternity is now only inhabited by robot nerds 
Bender becomes determined to make the robot fraternity the cool fraternity again. And then, like, the next time we check in with the B-plot, the Dean is all upset with the robot fraternity because they've been pulling all these pranks. But it's like, we were just introduced to the robot fraternity as being a bunch of nerds who do nothing. And then now the Dean is upset with them because they're responsible for every screwy antic on campus. It's supposed to like, it's supposed to match to the animal house reality. And there's like a, there's a missing 50 pages from that like transfer. So you're just supposed to, you're just supposed to be going like okay now they're doing the next part of animal house <laughs> i was disappointed I, that there was no chevy chase getting a hand job in a car i was missing that scene <laughs> all right um i just don't think <laughs> about chevy chase that, way. Of that movie <laughs> <laughs> um so we know that the robot house is um skating on thin ice we got the whole animal house parody back in our a plot gunter the monkey wearing a scientific hat that makes him smart is really getting Fry's goat because mm-hmm. um, Gunter is everything that Fry is not. He's charming. He's charismatic. He's super intelligent. Um, There's a good line there where uh, <laughs> Fry says, why is he so smart? Genetic engineering. And the professor says, oh, no, that's science fiction mumbo jumbo. His electronium hat <laughs> alters his brainwaves. Yeah, and there's some line about how there's like radioactive um, n- neural intelligence yeah. or something. Yeah, it's radiation harnessing the power of sunspots, sunspots. to yes. simulate intelligence in the monkey. Um, the monkey is also just a dick. He's he's kind he's of insufferable. Um, Did you have the- lectures at your little art school, Dinks? Because I, I, I would sit Not- in the lecture halls at University of Washington, and there would hall, always no. be a Gunther who was raising <laughs> his hand too much and being a know-it-all, and I always wanted to punch that nerd. Yeah, Gunther's a little shit, <laughs> but I mean, if there was a super he intelligent monkey... He probably wouldn't monkey- understand it anyway, Professor! <laughs> <laughs> If there was a super intelligent monkey hitting on me in college, I probably would have gone for it. I mean, I was yeah. open to anything in those oh, days. Oh, you would fuck Gunther in a heartbeat. <laughs> How do you like them bananas? They that just... was a good scene, the Goodwill Hunting parody there. <laughs> they just, they make him a, they make him a dick. Like, he's a smart dick, and all, it's like, he does all, he's just an asshole in every way they can paint in, like, five minutes. Yeah. We there's did skip this over one, Fry's th- college dropout. There's this one, sorry, there's this Go one ahead. line burned into my memory, and it's just because of the delivery of it. But Fry offers Gunter a banana, and he says, I prefer organic banana-flavored energy bars made from tofu. And it's just yes. the way he says tofu. That that line is burned into my memory for all time. But yes, go we on should, about Fry we should all, and Coney Island College. We should all call it tofu. Tofu. <laughs> tofu. <laughs> Um, yeah, Fry's college dropout experience was not going to a real college. He was at a carnival in Coney Island on the pier, and there was a ride that was a college, and he didn't even get through it, is the joke. <laughs> um, and I love him saying, good old, Co- good old Coney Island you, go whitefish! <laughs> the only way that joke could have been funnier is if it was silverfish, like, you know, like a pest oh, infestation. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Keep that. (laughs) This is a good punch up. We should send it to Matt Groening. See if he'll go back and digitally alter it. To do this, Um, you and James could actually do ninety percent of the voices if there was a Futurama reboot. 
Yeah, thank uh, you. Is for it going to be a or or do prequels like Star Wars? Oh please, I would love some prequels. <laughs> as future... long as you talk about trade federations, a lot. We'll call it future Futuronia or <laughs> Futuronius. <laughs> um. So we've got our two plots set up. Bender's getting the robot house into a bunch of antics. It's whatever. Fatbot eats things. Blah, 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 blah. That, that plot is way less interesting to me. But well, there's back- the panty raid part, which made me uncomfortable. <laughs> but then it paid off in kind of, because obviously that's how women were treated in cinema for a majority of the time cinema has been a thing. But, but the I joke think is they that they're tr- treating a computer they that it. way. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were I, objectifying a like old Mac-like computer. <laughs> this is the thing about am- Animal House is that I, I, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just thinking like it's the year 3000 whatever and <laughs> the computers are still a clunky desktop computer where you have to take off the front face and slap <laughs> it. <laughs> You're a I, bad girl. They, they they did not they didn't even bother to imagine the future in that part with the <laughs> desktop computer. The uh, the future aspects come and go when they're needed. <laughs> that's true. And I, I I kind of find that endearing because it's like that's not why you're watching the show. You're not watching the yeah. show for some kind of Isaac Asimov accurate prediction of the fate of like <laughs> the heat death of the universe or something. Like Well, it is funny how the future technology is so tethered to the current technology of the year that it's coming out because all of the library is on two CDs, two like CD discs, fiction yes. and nonfiction. The whole library. But then you get to the reboot when it comes back from being canceled and it's all about like iPhones and stuff. <laughs> yep. So they're yep. just going through a cyclical technology cycle a thousand years in the future that's identical to ours. It's identical to basically 15 years uh, in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The professor brings Gunter's parents to parent-teacher night, which apparently happens in college. I thought Fry brought them. Did Fry bring the parents? No, the professor says, because it's parent-teacher night, I've arranged a special surprise for you. You're right. Parent-teacher night in college? What the (laughs) fuck? What? (laughs) That's like maybe when you graduate in May or something? Like, What? Well, this they, may have been a full year at, at Mars University. It's very hard to tell. <laughs> um, of course, it is it is Fry, though, who provokes Gunter's parents and was. instigates Gunter and lets Gunter's parents out of the, the cage that they're in so that they can wreak havoc and embarrass Gunter. And thus begins um, Gunter's existential crisis when he's faced with the reality of his 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 monkey heritage um, in contrast to his new um, super intelligence produced by and then an he's uh, cat. he, he have, having turned down bananas like turned his nose up at the bananas <laughs> then he's broken he's broken psychologically and they find him just eating a pile of bananas and it, it like like he had you realize that he had been trying to keep up appearances yeah. <laughs> of course I like bananas. <laughs> I didn't know monkeys could cry. We can't. It's the hat. <laughs> so the hat that is, you know, bringing uh, Gunther's ability to understand and contemplate his existence comes with the double-edged sword of now that he's contemplating his existence, he's questioning it. So Gunther is on an actually very, like, intense 
uh, existential journey with this hat. Fry is just starting to feel like an asshole because, you know, Gunther's hurting. I felt really and he bad realizes, for Gunther. And yeah. I know I called him a fucking nerd a little bit ago, but I was I was very sad well, for him. Well, he's a dick, but we're getting to see why he's a dick. We're getting to see why he's, like, putting up such a front and being such an asshole <laughs> They do a hard turn on the character, too, where he's, like, he's, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? An, a, an alpha nerd bully? And then, like, it's, like, very fast turn to, like, oh, woe is me, victim. <laughs> <laughs> well, the episode's only like 22 minutes long, so they're really All the stuff has happened fast. through. Yeah, but then you're like, oh, oh poor Guther. I hated you, and now I feel sorry. <laughs> it, I, it was whiplash. I, I felt like I was right there with him. I empathized with him. I really <laughs> empathized with him when he had the panic attack in the test, because I felt that way in school many a time, where I just wanted to scream and run into the jungle. But I think the funny part of that scene was... Uh, he can't really focus, so he's just drawing bananas on his test, and Fry's cheating off of him and just drawing worse bananas. <laughs> and Gunter's having his, you know, um, his existential breaking moment, and he's hearing jungle drums playing in his head. Is that a reference to something? <laughs> because he's no. trying to take the test, he's hearing the jungle drums, he's hyperventilating. I think he's being he... pulled and seduced into the mystique of the jungle where he feels he belongs. <laughs> the, the fry copying the paper reminds me of something that I think happens earlier, where uh, the prof- <laughs> I love when Fry... Like, Fry steps into the dumbest possible joke. The professor goes like, if you two don't stop fighting, I'll have you both neutered. And Fry, <laughs> like, has smirks and he turns the camera and he's like, eh, that'll show him. <laughs> Fry's so dumb. So lovably dumb. Um, another great joke Fry. that we kind of, of course I do. Another joke that we kind of um, <laughs> gloss past Ryan is the when... Ooh, if when Jinx prof- went into that dorm room, she would just be in heaven. Oh, Jesus <laughs> She'd be Christ. like, there's plenty of Jinx um, to go around, boys. <laughs> um... Then the, the the when the professor it we get a glimpse of what the professor actually teaches and his it, we just come in on him saying and then by logical reason the neutron should taste like grape <laughs> you know some mathy sciencey thing but in the end he's talking about what neutrons taste like Fry busts into <laughs> class and says I'm sorry I'm late I overslept the professor said till 5 p.m. <laughs> I like that joke a lot having been there (laughs) (laughs) um so much relatable college content but now we are at the point in the episode where gunter has escaped into the jungles of mars and fry and leela fry and leela go chasing after him um fry's beginning to empathize with gunter and the professor yes they Fry all go, but a, not Bender, because he's off doing the boat race with the robot. It's a regatta. <laughs> the regatta. Fry has a line where he says, like, wow, the jungles on Mars look a lot like the jungles on Earth. And the professor goes, ha, jungles on Earth. <laughs> right after that, they see a tree and they, for some reason, think Gunter might be up in there. So the professor throws like a gas grenade into the tree and like nine (laughs) other animals fall out. And Fry's like, will they be okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they'll wake up in a couple hours. And then as they leave, an elephant also falls out of the tree and crushes (laughs) them all. 
I was I was remembering I was remembering all the gags that Futurama does where something dies or someone dies or there's just a gag about some creature dying. Oh, there's uh, a dead kid in the last episode. <laughs> right, that just happens in that show and I wonder it certainly wasn't the first, but I remember there was like they never really shied away from it as long as there was like a funny joke there. Death is abundant in Futurama, but also so is resurrection. You know, it's the future. Lots of people seem to die and then come back when when they need to be back. Right. Uh, it seems like through cloning, through through futury scientific stuff, no one is actually ever dead for good, um, except for in the episodes where death is the main plot. Now, um, <laughs> Fry, the professor, Leela, they end up in their pursuit of Gunter. They end up on a waterfall, they need Gunther's help. Gunther's hat has been knocked off, so now he's stupid. And they need <laughs> Gunther to put the hat back on so that he'll know how to save them. But Gunther, as a monkey, can't comprehend putting on the hat. My favorite part is, of course, when he puts the banana on his butt. Or no, he puts the he puts the hat on. Well, he tries his to butt. eat the the hat, <laughs> and he puts the banana on his head, and then he puts the hat on his butt. <laughs> and Fry is in mortal danger, but can't help but snicker at the fr- <laughs> the monkey putting <laughs> the hat on his butt because Fry's Fry. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, it, it was. It, it's a. Cla- it's like a. It's like a classic dumb comedy bit of you have two things and you need to use one of them correctly and basically go through all the possible wrong ways to do it. It's um, a. It's a clown Lotzi. It's a clown Lotzi exactly. Oh my god, <laughs> art school nonsense. <laughs> um, sure, but sure it does. It is art school nonsense now, but it's basically just because it's the dumbest thing from five hundred years ago. It's just because it's old. It's there like it's like how to do physical comedy bits with clowns. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate. It's clowns. called Commedia dell'arte. Commedia dell'arte. And maybe if you had paid a little more attention, I in... think ooh, we could go down a rabbit hole with this jinx. I think that the professor <laughs> is the miser archetype, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with that, Fry is the is Fry Wandering the Tartuffe. Fool. <laughs> Fry is the Tartuffe. <laughs> Too dumb to be a Tartuffe, right? Too dumb. A <laughs> uh, pantalone Zoidberg would be your pantalone. Ooh. <laughs> um, finally, are... finally, I debut on the Italian <laughs> opera stage. <laughs> we are glossing over the animal uh, house uh, subplot We're because it's not plot. that interesting to us. But we should mention uh, Snooty House, which I think is very funny. It's their rival house. We initially meet them when Bender's panty raid ladder crushes their servants' quarters. And then there's a really <laughs> and good like, line. And, and you hurt our servants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's a really good line, and I used to quote this all the time when I was in middle school, where uh, <laughs> the leader of Snooty House goes, I say, Robot House, your watercraft is as ill-designed as you yourself. And then one of them goes, good one, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> So Good they, one, shit. As the regatta comes by, Bender is like wakeboarding behind the boat. And apparently <laughs> the boat's very fast. So I don't know why they're in trouble in the race. But the wave is what crashes them down onto the waterfall. I just want to get everyone up to speed because everyone's like, how the fuck oh. did they get on the waterfall? <laughs> well, okay. So Bender had a part in it. 
a bender yet again, putting his best friend's a lives B. in danger. A needs B. <laughs> um, in I know the writer's end, theory. I just don't know it, fucking comedian Del Arte <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> in the end, Gunter saves them, but falls off the waterfall himself, um, landing on his own hat. There's a moment where they assume he's dead, and Professor's like, oh, he's like looking down sadly. Oh, no, the poor sweet monkey. Well, might as well go down and scoop him up. No sense letting him go to waste. Yeah. Um, scoop oh, him missed, up. Make me laugh. We, we missed a joke from earlier that's one of my favorites is um, the professor saying, Fry, don't, don't you ruin for this for me. I spent months slaving over a hot monkey brain. <laughs> Which is so confusing because I thought he made the hat. I, I thought he didn't alter the monkey. He probably had to study the monkey brains to I know guess. how to know how the hat was supposed to work. We don't know how many monkeys died in the process before oh, we true. arrived at Gunter. Oh, um, we can infer that it was many of them. <laughs> So Gunter's hat gets smashed, and now, um, instead of making him super intelligent, it just makes him average intelligent. And that's good. Gun this is the solution to Gunter's problems. He is now smart enough to be able to like um, be a, a, a sentient, uh, comprehensive uh, monkey person, but not so smart that he's plagued with the questions of existence and the finality his, of his life. His super intelligence <laughs> is turned down halfway and that's the happy medium for Gunther. Yeah. He's does still much smarter than Fry. Does the Gunther <laughs> character stick around like Nibbler or something as a minor comes character? comes back one time when they go to the back. monkey planet. One okay. time in a very late um, episode, and that episode is not great. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's got funny moments. Okay, no, it's good. Nothing can compare <laughs> to these first four seasons, but I think as far as the later episodes go, that one's like a, a pretty good one. It's a solid B+. Um, <laughs> Robot House ends up winning the regatta because they're robots and they can just walk on the floor of the river. <laughs> so in the end, they win the regatta, which grants them immunity from probation or some shit. Yeah. So, and then so. arbitrarily, arbitrarily, the snooty house rich guys having lost the race are so shocked that they fall out of the boat into this river. Like, <laughs> Because it's like in those movies in the Animal House and all the stupid movies like that, the rich guys always have to be like dunked in water. So they don't, <laughs> nothing even happens. They just fall. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good writing right there. <laughs> um, Animal House, the, you mean? <laughs> great writing. Uh, the episode, no, the great writing is the fact that they're just standing in the boat and then just fall over out of shock. Uh, <laughs> um, the crusty old Dean has to lead a parade in their honor. <laughs> in Robot House's honor. And it's really funny because he's leading the parade, but he's got like a scowl on his face, but he's still like twirling a baton. <laughs> right. He's angrily leading the parade. <laughs> I was trying to remember if that was an Animal House direct reference or not. I don't remember. Well, when they play You Make Me Want to Shout at the end, that's obviously an Animal House reference, but I don't remember there being a parade in Animal House. 
I watched it There's one a- time when I was a kid because my dad was like, this is the funniest movie ever. And then like halfway through, it was like very inappropriate. And I think, <laughs> I think he turned Animal it House off. <laughs> is a dad movie. Definitely a dad movie. But um, in defense of my dad, he also showed me Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then when Frankenfurter fucked Brad, he, he was like, okay, let's, let's watch something else. <laughs> so I think he was just bad at remembering how inappropriate movies <laughs> how are. How inappropriate movies are. Because he, um, he watched them when he was a young person. <laughs> like adult and then it was like oh wow I gotta show you these things <laughs> my mom wouldn't let me watch Rocky Horror without her watching it with me because she wanted to put it into context for me but I secretly <laughs> what context? Wa- I secretly watched it before we watched it together and then when we watched it together I had to pretend like I was surprised by everything but yeah it was so oh, much tamer than the way she this built is new it information. <laughs> the time now work. Jinx at the time it was considered <laughs> really risque. I understand. It was considered uh, <laughs> normal culturally for you to open a door to some guests that you plan on murdering or eating or fucking. <laughs> That's the context you see. Now you see <laughs> there's there's a planet James. called Transylvania. <laughs> James, I'm not in the business of telling voice actors to do voices, but could you give us a little Frankenfurter? Oh, God. It's, I mean, it's like karaoke night. Uh, how oh, you James do is that? Karaoke. I see you've met my little candy man. No, I think I got it wrong, but you know. No, that was it's great. Um, Candyman. <laughs> He's a, a little um, brought down because, uh, oh yeah, when you knocked, uh, he thought you were the, a candy man. But he I'm, got a little Christopher Walken there for uh, when you knocked. Uh, <laughs> um, Sometimes the parodies dip into each other. Uh, I've had this long-standing joke with um, my music partner, Major Scales. We want to do something where it's um, Tim Curry and Alan Rickman in a windstorm, and it's just the two of them going... (laughs) 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 Just because it's windy. Major Um, Scales, you have been replaced. (laughs) (laughs) So... That's pretty much it for episode two, uh, Mars University. Um, it's it's a good episode. The two plots do seem to be in conflict with each other until Bender. My, what I'll say is my favorite part of the Animal House B plot is the Dean. The Dean's written really funny, but when we first meet him, he's Robot like, house. My, f- <laughs> my favorite part about being a Dean is sitting in peaceful quiet and the respect <laughs> that it gains me. <laughs> you know? And then Robot House. And then, um, you know, when he's saying the only thing that keeps me sane is my miniature boat collection. And then Fatbot is eating the boat. Fatbot um, immediately eats it. <laughs> There's some good bits, but ultimately, whenever Animal the House campus is, liquor store is raided, it's a robot house. <laughs> <laughs> The oh, and then they go. Whatever there's, whatever there's human remains scattered on campus, it's robot house. And Bender goes, I can explain that one. Um, the episode ends with them doing one of those freeze frame um, uh, caption, telling you how how everything ends for everyone, just um, like Animal House. Are there any good bits from that? We learned that Fry successfully drops out. Even though that was like Fry's mission in the episode, we kind of just forget about it until the end. I think the funniest of the freeze frames is Leela went on one date with the Dean, but he never called her back. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Leela. I, I, 
I like that uh, a bender uh, uh, stole everything of value. <laughs> Yeah. After helping the robot house, he just ended up looting them. <laughs> There's something I always think that's funny in a nihilistic way, and I feel like people jaded to comedy, most of all comedians, I I really think it's funny when someone's presented as a good guy and then suddenly you're like, nope, he was bad, and you just flippantly <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um. So, James, we ask every guest, um, I feel like you might almost be too into this question, but um, <laughs> uh, of all the Futurama characters in this episode, or since you're a fan of the show, you know, draw from anywhere in the show. Okay. Who would you most want to bone? Who would you, who, who would you want to carry on a sexual, maybe romantic relationship with of all the Futurama you characters? Know, I would say, honestly, there's no way around this. Um, I would say... Fry is not a good lay. Bender reminds me of a couple of like bad boyfriends from the past. Yeah. I mean, I should go. Fry is the fry type is the one I should go for more often. But honestly, I it always end up with some kind of shitty, <laughs> shitty Bender bad boy situation. So <laughs> I know that territory. I mean, I'm the most attracted to Fry, but you're absolutely right. I'm I'm positive he's not good in bed. But then I'm Lick trying to my think of shiny metal armpits. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who of the Futurama universe would be the best in bed. Um, I want to say the the robot cop. He seems oh, like the only good lover in the hot. whole series. Yeah, he's very sexual. Um, I love, uh, I mean, I love, I mean, I, I feel like I present, <laughs> I present to my lovers in bed like Zap Brannigan. That's basically, that's the whole, that's the whole act. The undeserved brav bravado. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but we know that Z Zap Brannigan's a pathetic lover as well. I yes. don't know if I should say pathetic. Is that, is that like... Is that offensive to beta cuck Keef. soy boys? Kiff, <laughs> your captain has finally mated with a woman. Inform the men. <laughs> yes, I think sir. also another another good lover is um, the Futurama's version of William Shatner, um, young William Shatner <laughs> in oh, one episode. In he Star seems Trek to be a, like a good lover. Yeah, but um. I think, I think that's only in cartoon jokes... form. I think w real William Shatner, maybe not so much. <laughs> I mean, they also talk about Bender being a fantastic lover. I've never understood when Bender has sex with Amy, spoilers, but when Bender has sex with Amy, I don't n understand what they do. I don't know what's do happening in the, in the bedroom uh, between Electrocuting them. her bits or something? <laughs> electrocuting her bits. Sending I mean, little I'm shocks into her bits. No, it's like, I'm <laughs> sure that Bender can satisfy Amy. I don't know what Amy can do for Bender. Why is no one fantasizing about Zoidberg? <laughs> what if I'm Zoidberg's sorry. great and bad? Sometimes, sometimes the weirdos are. <laughs> I bet Hermes is too. I mean, he landed La Barbara and he's flexible, yeah. so. 
<laughs> La Barbara's got to be good in bed. <laughs> La Barbara I guess that's has the, to be. A... I guess that's the sex tape I would watch is those two, yeah, La Barbara La... and Hermes. No, I'd I'd wait for La Barbara and Barbados Slim oh, to and come Barbado out. Oh, Barbados Slim, so. yeah. <laughs> How could I have forgotten what a great uh, fuck would be with hedonism bot? <laughs> hedonism bot. And now that I'm saying it, why am I forgetting about Barbados I... Slim? <laughs> this is one of the toys I oh have. <laughs> I have. Oh my god, audio listeners, James has just presented a hedonism bot to us. I have this a, hedonism a bot. One. He's next to my statue of Dionysus appropriately all the time. Mm. And um, I love, there. there's one episode where they talk about how there was a... Um, <laughs> there was a, a a mass death situation at one of uh, at Hedonism Bot's birthday party, and they yeah. interview him on the news. It's like an orgy that 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 a bunch of people died at. They interview him on the news, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, <laughs> there were bodies. He's like it, it's 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 the same line with different inflections where he's like, there were bodies everywhere. <laughs> there were bodies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hedonism bot. Why was he built? That's my only question. Is what purpose was Hedonism bot supposed to serve? To me, that is what's so great about him. It's just absolutely pointless that he exists, <laughs> except for the punchline. He I like the when robot the robots are devil. created for no reason because there's a one-off joke many seasons from now where you see a bunch of you see a robot graveyard and one of the tombstones just says "Dying Unit 44." <laughs> like he was just <laughs> built to perish. <laughs> <laughs> Well, James, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank now you, that you've revisited Futurama, will you be binging it again? Are you going to get back into it? Sure. You know, I it's not I, <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't really watch a lot of television. I mean, I guess around Christmas time <laughs> in winter, I watch more TV when there's yeah. less shit to do. Um, why not? It's been a long... I've always threatened to go back and watch Futurama. Why the fuck <laughs> not? I like it. You and can take a break from rewatching all Motivara movies for a moment and you could watch some Futurama. I do love those. I do <laughs> love those. But they're, you know... Um, you know what I would really love? And this probably wouldn't this sell out. People are starting to... Learn, people are... Like, Netflix is starting to realize, like... The, entities like that, like we could show our TV shows in binge-worthy theater settings for people to come watch. Why not have midnight screenings of, like, three Futurama episodes at a time? I would, I would love, love to watch it with an audience. Yeah. I think if we ever tour this podcast, it'll be watching episodes live with an audience and, and pausing to talk about things. That's a great idea. <laughs> James, so everybody thank you wear so your much. masks so we can go on tour. Yeah, please <laughs> let the pandemic end. Um, if there are any assholes listening, please stop it. Um, <laughs> James, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Jinx. Follow thank James Adomian bringing- on thank all the socials. Sahoya. See which great cartoons he's on. He's always on great stuff. Yeah, and thank you for bringing so much raw acting talent to our podcast today. I'm thoroughly impressed. I learned from the best, Calculon. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great rest of your day, and thank you all for listening. Be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your pod on. And um, we'll be back next Monday with more I'm 40% Podcast. I guess that's the end of that. (laughs) 
Wow, 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 wow.